Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. So help me God. So help me God. So help me God. Come on, everybody. Come on. We can do better than that, Tree Life. Come on. Come on. We can do better than that. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. You can be seated. There's not enough. There's not enough applause. There's not enough honor that can be shown to those that serve and give their lives. Put their life on the line that way. Uh, Celebrating Veterans Day this weekend and tomorrow. You know, look at the scripture. There's a lot of scriptures that, you know, really fit here. But the one that always comes to my heart in a moment like this is in John where it talks about not to use our freedom to indulge ourselves or for our own good or our own benefit, but to leverage our freedom on behalf of other people to experience freedom. And so I think that scripture really sums up what we are thankful that you do, all of you that have served and spent time in the military. Uh, thank you for your, your heart, your, your calling, your courage to do that. And we just, we honor we honor you today and your families. And, and I just want to say this, and it's just, we're in a different time, a different world or whatever, but there's never enough appreciation for you and what you do. And we are so thankful. And so I know we can't clap enough, to be honest with you. And so we're going to do that a few more times. But if you are a veteran, if you have served and you're a veteran, would you please stand to your feet? Let's stand to your feet. Let us just give honor where honor is due this morning. Thank you so much. Come on, if you're a veteran, stand to your feet. Come on. Come on. Hey, stay standing. Stay standing. Uh-uh. Stay standing. Stay standing. Amen. 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 Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Come on, don't be embarrassed. I know you're humble, but you know we have to. We need to give honor where honors due. God honors us when we honor those deserving of honor. Amen. And while you are standing, and I always want to be mindful of this as well. Those of you who are active duty or active reserves, would you stand to your feet as well for us? Stand up. I know that we had a few in first services, a few standing up. We have some other uh, military that around the area with us. So thank you guys so much again. I am so grateful. We are so grateful. Um, let's take a moment while you're standing. Someone keep trying to sit down. Yeah, hold on. You'll get there. Just a second. Uh, let's just say a prayer. Would you, you know what? There's a young man over here in his uniform. I saw him coming in. Everybody take a, hey, wave your hand up. He's man. He looks sharp. Come on. You know who you are. He looks sharp there in his uniform. He looks good. Come on, young man. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, young man, for serving and being part of that. We're going to pray. Everybody, let's join our faith together. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we live in a country, Father God, that we have the freedoms that we have. Uh, we have them because men and women, Lord, believe in them. Men and women put their life on the line. Men and women, Father God, sacrifice themselves on behalf of, of everyone else. The few on behalf of the many. We honor them, Father God, the veterans and their time that have been served, the active duty and they're serving now, Father God. Everywhere around the world, Lord, we know that you are the rewarder. They don't do it for recognition, Father God. They don't do it to be seen. But Father God, we honor them nonetheless. And Father, you are, again, are the rewarder. So we pray blessings 
over their life, Father. We pray blessings over their families because we know it's a sacrifice for them as well. Whether it be a parent or a spouse or children, Father, we thank you that you just embrace them and surround them with your love and protection and goodness as only you can. And Lord, even though it looks like we live in a country that seems to be unappreciative of things and ungrateful and more divided than perhaps any other time that at least I've known, we know, Father God, this is still the greatest country on the planet. And it's because of the people here and their heart to serve. So we thank you for him, Father God. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more time. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. You can be seated. <laughs> Amen. I, and I, I want to say that it, it is so important. You know, honestly, I, I love uh, the holidays that we recognize uh, these moments, but uh, it should be recognition beyond certain days. It should be every day, every day uh, of the year that we come across people in service. Amen. We should do that. Same with our first responders. I'm always trying to do that. My wife and I, uh, we see men and women in uniform. Um, my kids, we kind of raise them to do that as well every day. I, I love seeing the hats of the veterans. Like I love seeing a World War II hat or a Korean War hat or Vietnam and all the ones even up to the current day. And so we always need to be grateful. We always need to be thankful. It really is impressed upon my heart, um, especially we just, as, you, as some of you know, we just came back from uh, two countries that aren't open like this, two countries that don't have the freedoms we have. So we never, never, never should take it for granted. And even as divisive as it seems, divisive as it seems, and you, you look at the news and all the crazy stuff going on, still the greatest, the greatest country on the planet. God is still God. And so he just needs his people to take a stand, amen? And so we're so grateful to, to be a part of uh, a church that loves our people serving in the military. A um, couple of announcements, uh, everybody, just to... Uh, let you know, again, just some reminders, um, and you saw all those on the screen, you can get the app and you can go on the website. Uh, just as you know, if you came in through the main lobby, you saw the mission store. Some of you that are newer, it's like, what is that about? Just real quick, the mission stores open up all the way through the holidays. We, uh, you know, in different countries throughout the year, Mexico primarily, then we um, come back from India. We have our missionaries that are over in Cambodia and China and Mozambique, and they bring items back. And the mission store is much like the Missions Cafe. It is just to give you an opportunity to just partake of something um, that you wouldn't normally get around here or around here it would cost so much more. And the monies that you spend on there will go into missions. And so um, take advantage of that throughout the holidays. I don't want to sound like an infomercial, but I think it's really cool because you can find some unique gifts for people or for yourself. And then you can, uh, not only you're, you're blessing them with something I think is kind of unique and kind of different. Uh, I hope that if you have something, then it's a reminder to you. In our house, we have many items that we've brought back uh, from different countries, and it's a reminder to us to pray and be aware of the people around the world and to and make sure that we're reminded of our gratitude for our country and our responsibility to pray and to give. And so it's a great reminder. Um, I know that as the holidays coming up, you're looking for family and even at the office, there's ornaments for ornament exchanges. But um, I was thinking about this. I said at first service, there's a lot of things out there that if you buy a pair of these shoes, you'll provide a pair of shoes for somebody in another country. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I've never researched it all the way out. But if you buy something here, then I will guarantee you that the monies do go to help someone locally or around the world. We can at least guarantee you that. And so just to be a blessing and participate in that as well. Hey, thank you for your prayers. I'm feeling better. I know I probably don't sound a whole lot better. I'm feeling better. I feel like I'm done with all the foreign stuff. The foreign stuff was driven out of my, my body. And um, uh, South Texas just welcomed me home with its loving allergy arms and said, we're so glad you're back. We've missed you. And so I so, uh, appreciate the prayers. And also, hey, thank you for all the happy birthdays. I, I saw the Facebook stuff and the Instagram. So, so many of you express your love that way. So thank you so much. appreciate it. And can I tell you, the best medicine for me is to be back in the pulpit with all of you, my family. So I'm excited to be here today. Amen.
All right, get your Bibles out. Turn to Mark 3 for me. Mark 3. We're going to read 1 through 5, and we're going to kind of stay there uh, for the service today. You know, I was thinking about people were asking me, I guess there's some of the staff, are we continuing this series? And initially I'd thought that, you know, probably a couple of weeks ago, where was I headed throughout the course of the rest of the year? And then as it got closer to the time that I'd be back, um, you know, my heart sitting here last week on the front row, uh, we had an amazing message by Pastor Cody. And I thought he did such a phenomenal job. He just really tied up a nice bow on the series. He iced the cake, put the cherry on top. And after listening to him, I thought, man, that's a great way to wrap up this series. We're done. We're going to move on. And so if you didn't have a chance to be here last week, go back and listen to it. Uh, today really could kind of flow with the series we're in. In fact, it really has been inspired by the start of the series and then our experiences over on our trip just recently. Um, but I want to take the rest of the month and talk about our topic today, which my title is Everyday Faith. Um, I want to show you a picture when we were in uh, India. My very first session, I, I spoke to 300 pastors over the course of a couple days. I, I did nine or 10 sessions with the pastors. I spoke in some churches out in the villages. And I started this, the, the, the seminar, if you will, the conference off with a message of faith, really wanted to challenge your faith, which was interesting to me because I really felt like I should sit and listen to the 300 of them and the, and the conditions that they live in and the persecution that they face every day. Um, although I feel like, you know, we have our own struggles of faith. It's all relative, I believe. But um, again, understanding that our responsibility is such. And so I shared that. And if you remember back when I did a message to stretch us on our stretch our faith, I gave out the rubber bands. How many, anybody still have a rubber band on? I'm afraid to ask. Well, hey, a lot of, a lot more hands. Yeah, than I thought, man, God bless you. God's favorite. And uh, people there. And, uh, and uh, so I got my rubber band on, <coughs> excuse me. And I, and I did that message. And the course of four days, we were out on the mountainsides of India and remote villages and hiking. And I want to show you a picture of one of our last villages right after a building dedication. Can you see that left wrist on that man right there in the picture? What's he got on his wrist? Come on, he's got his rubber band on. I thought that was super cool because we went out to four or five different villages in remote areas and every pastor that came up to shake our hand had the rubber band on. And I thought, you never know the impact and where it will go and what it means. And, and I think it's because, uh, partly because faith is such a big issue for us. But I think there's some confusion on what faith really is, honestly. I want to talk about that a little bit today. Because you hear me say we're a faith church, I'm a faith guy, a faith preacher, all that stuff. But what does that really mean? And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus in the book of Mark is really, he's, he really does a good job in Mark. Does that sound funny? Jesus, you did a good job in that book. Right? He does a good job in anything. <laughs> but the book of Mark, you see some really great uh, illustration stories about faith and how to activate, apply your faith. And uh, you see in the book of Mark many stories like that. In fact, in a couple chapters, you see five different uh, moments when stories that talk about Jesus is confronting the mindset of the day. It might be wrapped around a situation, but he tries to address the root of things as well. And in five stories, at least, he, he's confronting the church. He's confronting activity in the synagogue. You'll see synagogue, which we would equate to church today. The religious crowd of the church people. And, he, and, and Jesus' ministry is marked by two things. It's really marked by, by comfort. He comforts those that are going through tests and trials. And he confronts those who are facing um, complacency or religious mindsets or sin. And so both of those require faith. Both of those are important aspects of his ministry. And honestly, we see that today, right? We see the comforting in our trials and we see the confronting in our complacency or in our you know, sin. And so Jesus is doing that here. This story is one in particular, I think really gives us a real picture of what Jesus is really trying to accomplish in the idea of everyday faith or functional faith or faith for everyday life. Because I think today, as we see in this story back then, they had it different than what God intended. So let me read the passage for you and then we'll break it down. 
Here we go, Mark 3, 1 through 5, NIV. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, church, and a man was there with a shriveled hand. Some of them, the religious crowd, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely. That's why they went to church. Isn't that interesting? They watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front. Another translation says, step out in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, the religious crowd, the church people, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. They refused to answer. He, Jesus, looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Now, before I break this down, between services, I got a text from uh, one of our uh, church members. He was, he's out of town. It's his birthday. He's out of town. And he's on the live stream. So welcome, everybody, on the live stream. And he said, man, what a great message. But he said what struck him in this passage of Scripture is, though, even Jesus was angry. And even Jesus was deeply distressed. He still healed. Isn't that good news? I mean, Jesus still wants to heal. He still wants to move and work in our lives, even when things aren't lined up the way that he would like them to be. And so uh, let's take a look at everyday faith. I think this helps us really understand everyday faith. I think that's what Jesus is really addressing. Now, he's not just addressing here, understand, he's not just addressing the situation of a man with a shriveled hand. He's really addressing also the mindset of the church people or the religious crowd. Or let me say it this way. He's not just addressing a situation. He's addressing a system because the synagogue or the church was created by God and they met on the Sabbath and the Sabbath was a gift from God, if you will, a day of rest. But man had made it something different than what God intended. So man created a mindset or a system when they gathered together in church different than what God intended. So Jesus is gonna confront the mindset or the system, not just the situation. He's going to get to the root of the issue here. And he's going to challenge them in their everyday faith. So Jesus challenges the system or the mindset because it wasn't serving the purpose that it was designed to serve. And what we'll see in the story is Jesus is revealing a faith that operates in everyday life. Because what was happening here is Jesus healed a man on Saturday or on the Sabbath So apparently, according to the church people, the religious crowd, the Pharisees, it was wrong to do anything on the Sabbath, including healing. And so apparently for them, it would have been okay to heal every other day of the week, but not on Saturday. Now flip that today. I think we relegate an outpouring or expression of faith on Sunday, and we don't operate in it the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday. And both those mindsets are wrong. And man has created a system that faith is experienced in a gathering like this on Sunday and good luck the rest of the week. And Jesus is saying both those systems are broken. That faith is for everyday life, every day, all day, every moment. Faith is for everyday life. It's an everyday lifestyle. So Jesus is addressing it this way. We need to bring faith to life in our everydays. Faith was always intended to be a lifestyle. And Jesus is, uh, in a sense, uh, challenging people with functional faith in a dysfunctional system. So Mark 3 is about more than just one man being healed. It's about the heart or mindset of a system. So it's really about the misappropriation of faith. It's really, and really faith is really, let me stop, stop for a second. Faith is really a word I think has lost its meaning to us. And let me say it this way, uh, the best way I could illustrate it, say the word love, 
The love, love has really lost its meaning. It really doesn't, sound, doesn't mean a whole lot when you tell somebody you love them anymore. I mean, you know, whatever your heart is, it is. But, and it love means so much today. Like, I, I love my wife. I love my wife. But I love warm chocolate chip cookies and cold milk at the same time. I, right? And I was in India. I love hot chai, tea, and cashew cookies. I, I love my kids. But I, and I also love the cowboys. Ex, except maybe Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett and Tony Romo's retired, thank God. But anyway, so... It's, it's like, it's like we, we say that all the time. I think faith is the same way. I mean, if you think about faith, we don't really even know what faith is anymore because so, things are, so many things have faith attached to them, like it's a label or a descriptive term. It's like, I, have you ever heard someone say, blind faith? Well, how that happened? Just blind faith as if it was, man, I just got lucky. I don't know. I, don't, I just got lucky. Or, you know, a leap of faith. Got to take a leap of faith. Like, like you're fixing to do something ridiculous or foolish. Or, or like, how about that? That's a faith-based organization. Really? Is it really? I mean, so many faith-based organizations really aren't, but we label them as such. Or when we talk about voting and elections coming up and the faith-based voting block, but I would bet most people don't really vote by the biblical definition of faith. And we look at people and we say, he's got great faith or he's got little faith or man, I've lost my faith or keep the faith or have faith. We're a faith church. I'm a faith guy. And I just want to say faith is misunderstood and faith is meant to be more than a label or an identifier, more than just an adjective or descriptive word. And can I say it this way? Faith is meant to be more than just a feeling. Faith is more than just a feeling. Faith is meant to be more than just a formula. Everyone has a formula of faith, how to operate your faith. Can I tell you that this, a formula can be explained and you don't need faith for what you can explain. You don't need faith for what you understand. So what is faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Gives us some insight. New King James Version says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hey, let me, let me play this little game with you. We're gonna play the opposite game. I'm gonna give you a word. You give me the opposite. Here we go. First of all, here we go. Opposite of big is? Opposite of fast? Opposite of good? Or evil? Okay, here we go. I didn't, I didn't anticipate that one. Okay, opposite of dark Opposite of faith? Where did everybody go? What, what happened? Everybody dropped out right there. I heard doubt. I heard fear. I heard fear in first service. I heard doubt. And I don't disagree with those terms when you're looking at the opposite of faith. But what if, let me suggest to you something. What if the opposite of faith wasn't doubt and wasn't fear, but it was certainty? Because if we understand faith, faith is what, for what we don't understand. Because if it's something that we have clarity or certainty on, as something we can do or position ourselves, then there's not a need for God. And my understanding of faith is when we're facing something that we don't have certainty for or that we desperately need God for. And I don't know, I don't think that any of that's necessarily wrong, but it's a different way to look at faith. Is faith the opposite of when you have everything figured out and you put your life in a position that you don't attempt anything that requires God, uh, where you don't stretch yourself in a way that enables the faith you need to face a challenge? Can I still have faith when I don't feel faith? Is faith the absence of doubt or the absence of fear? Maybe faith is not a feeling, but a focus. But in the midst of my doubt, I can focus on God. In the midst of my fear, I can focus on God. And maybe doubt and fear are the catalysts or the motivators to activate my faith. 
If faith is a feeling, then I'm just going to be all over the place. But if faith is not a feeling, but a focus in the midst of my doubt and my fear and other emotional feelings, I can still focus on God and not the problem. I can still have a problem in my life and still focus on God. Is it a feeling? Is it a focus? I can have faith in the midst of a storm. See, it doesn't mean it's not going to rain. It doesn't mean the wind's not going to blow. It doesn't mean the waves aren't going to beat against my boat. It means I'm going to get to the other side. My faith doesn't mean it's not going to rain. My faith means I'm going to make it. I may be wet. My hair may be windblown. I may be hanging over the side because of the waves, a little seasick, but I'm getting to the other side because my faith works regardless of my feelings. My faith works because of my focus. So faith is something different, I think, than what we believe it to be. Maybe a better question is what is faith for? In the scripture we already read in Hebrews 11:1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is it for? What is the objective then of my faith? What is the objective of my faith? And understand this, that faith has an objective. See, we just walk around randomly without associating our faith with anything. And I think even when we do, we find ourselves looking at situational faith, our faith to address a moment or an experience or a situation instead of a lifestyle of faith. It's much like this. I know we're coming into the end of the year. We got Thanksgiving, Christmas coming up. A lot of us are already planning to lose weight, anticipating the weight will gain, right? A lot of us, you've already busted out. We got a cold while we were out of town. You already busted out your cold clothes, hoping they would fit, right? And it's like, we're gonna lose weight to fit into these clothes. We're gonna lose weight because the holidays are here. But listen, maybe faith is more like this, losing weight to have a healthier lifestyle. Instead of situational activity is your objective not just to attain or achieve something, but your objective is to have a better lifestyle. Because Jesus is going to show us right here that the objective of faith is to have everyday faith, have a better life in God. Instead of a moment or situation being addressed or addressing a system. And so are we having, do we have an everyday objective for our life? The objective of faith. In the passage we read, the characters or groups represented here, we see three. The Pharisees are the religious crowd, the religious, the church people, let's say it that way. The church people come to see what Jesus would do, looking for a reason to accuse him. Their objective when they came to the church was to find fault with Jesus. They went to the church to see what he would do wrong. Uh, The second person would be Jesus. Jesus went to the church to heal. His objective was to heal. The third person is the man with the shriveled hand. The man went there to be healed. His objective was to achieve his healing. Let's take a look at Mark 3, 2. It says this, some of them, the church people, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They were there to be critical. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus went looking for a reason to heal. They went looking for a reason to be critical. What are you looking for when you come to church? What's your objective? What's your objective when you come to church? Let me say this. Are you coming looking for faith? Are you coming looking for fault? And I don't mean that ugly, but the reality is because of our humanity, we tend to judge things a little bit. And so we need to be careful when we come to a gathering, just like Jesus is showing us in this gathering here in the scripture. If you're going to look for something, you're going to find it. Can I tell you, you don't have to look very far here to find fault or be critical of something. Why? Because we're a bunch of imperfect people serving a perfect God. We're not trying to be perfect up here. We're trying to create an environment for your faith to be released and engaged in God who is perfect. And so it's like they're coming with this objective and we need to be careful because we can sit here in a service maybe much like there and say, well, you know what? I like the songs we sang last week better. <laughs> it's like, I like that person that left. I like the preacher last week better. Can I tell you? I do too. I can sit and listen to him every week. I think it was great, right? 
Where's his, when is he going to bring his mom back up here? Let's, you know, hey, listen, what's your objective? And Jesus is addressing that. It's like, what's the objective why we're gathering here? What are you looking for? The objective of faith is to be a part of what God is doing instead of judging how God does it. We get caught up in the how instead of the who. The objective of our faith is the everyday lifestyle of who God is. Every day in our life. So here's a man who can't reach out. He can't literally reach out walking into a church full of people who won't reach out. Because they have the wrong objective. Which are worse? The one who won't reach out or the one who can't? What's all about the objective? So Jesus walks in the church and says, this system is not working. What is your reason for wanting to have faith? What is your objective? Some of us want to have faith only for the things that directly benefit us. We only pray for our job. We only pray for our marriage. We only pray for our kids. We only pray for our healing. We only pray for our finances. When was the last time we prayed for and believed for someone else? Even if it was, even if it was resulted in our own inconvenience. For someone else to exceed. Someone else to to have great success, even if it meant a delaying of ours per se. What's the objective of faith? Why did you come to church? What is your objective? Do we really want this place to grow? Do I, do I want this place to grow because I want a lot of people in here? Is that my objective or is my objective because I want to reach more people? I want to see more people healed. I want to see more marriages restored. I want to see more teens returning to their parents and getting off of addiction. I want to see more kids raised up in a godly environment. What is your objective? What is our objective as a church? Because we have to be careful because the system is broken because man created to be something other than what God intended. And Jesus is taking a situation and addressing a system. And he says there has to be an objective to our faith when we gather corporately and individually. So we just want our needs met. What is our objective to faith? So all of this, you have to understand that faith has an objective. And all this happened around an occasion. It happened on the Sabbath. The story is told when Jesus went to the church on the Sabbath, but all this happened around an, an occasion. And again, the Sabbath was a day set aside to rest. It was given by God. It was a gift, no work. The intention was to be a blessing. But Jesus had to remind them on, that on any occasion, it is fitting to be, there's fitting to be a blessing. Faith has no occasion. And I think that's one of the things that really stands out in the story to me because then they relegated every other day of the week to where there can be a blessing or be a miracle except for the day they gather. And then I think if we're not careful, we put the day we gather the only time that there can be a miracle or be an outpouring of faith or be an expression of faith. But faith has no occasion and Jesus is addressing that mindset. Look what he says in Mark 3, 4. He says this, then Jesus asked them, which is, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? He's challenging them. Understand this, Jesus was picking a fight. He went to confront the system here based on the situation. He's proving a point. See, he could have waited till the next day to heal the man with the shriveled hand. Because let's just be honest here. The man had lived already a long time with a shriveled hand. This wasn't a life or death situation. This wasn't an emergency. It was important to that man, but one more day could have passed. But Jesus didn't want to wait and heal him on the day that everybody thought it would be okay. He wanted to address the system because it was broken. And he wanted to say, hey, healing and faith is for every occasion, not just one day of the week or all the other days of the week that you operate and walk in it every single day. He purposely did it on the Sabbath because he wanted to show them the system wasn't working. Jesus is using the situation to confront a system or a mindset or an attitude. 
he's using this situation to reveal a deeper condition. And really, if we're understanding the passage of Scripture, the man had a shriveled hand, but the church had a shriveled system. Because so faith was for every occasion, every day. And Jesus is challenging that. And he's showing you and I that faith is for every occasion. Because what, what, what he's addressing here is the system that you can only heal on certain occasions. And he shows you that you can heal on any occasion or every occasion. They said, this is not the day for healing. Jesus said, every day is the day for healing. As if to say they were okay with healing on any other day, but the Sabbath, as if to say that we're okay with healing happening on Sunday and not every other day. And Jesus says, oh no, faith is for every day, all day, everywhere, anywhere, all the time, every time. Everyday faith, when's the last time you used your faith? Because he's saying, faith is a lifestyle. Every day. You know, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving coming up and we, we, we typically in times past Thanksgiving and Christmas, we, you know, we, we go to my mom's or, or Jessamy's mom's or family or whatever and everybody does a different my mom, Christmas time, kind of when I guess we all really gather, and she sets a really elaborate table. I mean, there's all kinds of china, and it looks really nice. I really love the look of it. It looks like a picture out of a, a magazine or something like that. And I love it because there's so much associated with it. I mean, a lot of hard work on her part, but I see my grandma's china or my great-grandma's china and stuff like that. And you know what I'm talking about on special occasions, because we probably all have those dishes that we bring out only on special occasions. And I think Jesus is, is addressing this issue here that some of us, man has created a system where it seems like faith is only relegated to operate on special occasions or certain situations. And can I tell you, if you were to come to my house, and this is no disrespect to my wife, she, she said something to me earlier and just kind of laughed about it, but you want to come to my house on Christmas or Thanksgiving, you're going to eat on a paper plate. You are, and we want to apologize for that. You know what? I don't want special occasions faith. I want paper plate faith. I want everyday faith that works and operates in my life every single day, every moment, in every situation. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to live with special occasion faith. I want you to have everyday paper plate faith for everything you do, everywhere you go. He says, the system's wrong. Man made it something more different than what God intended. He's taking a situation and addressing a system with it. Is your faith like that? Is your faith going from situation to situation to situation? Is it going from special occasion to special occasion? Or is it a paper plate that every day you're exercising your faith, you're walking in your faith? Faith has an objective. Faith has no occasion. I want that. I was thinking about this. I, want, I don't want Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Sunday faith. I want Monday, manic Monday faith, Taco Tuesday faith, Wacky Wednesday faith, Thursday, Thursday, Freaky Friday, Super Saturday faith. I want it all, all of it. I want, a, I want a faith I can use every day for every day ups and downs in life, not a special occasion faith. And I want a faith that is not held hostage to the outcome. There are two outcomes in the story that we read. One outcome is the man's hand got healed. The other outcome is the church people got mad. Mark 3, 6, take a look. We didn't read this one yet, Mark 3, 6. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Two outcomes, man gets healed, church people get mad. Faith is not based on an outcome. Faith has nothing to do with an outcome. If your faith is dependent on an outcome, it's just a matter of time before you lose it. 
If you need a certain outcome to validate your faith, it's only a matter of time before you give up on it. Because you're not responsible for the outcome. You don't determine the outcome. That's in God's hands. God does that. And my heart breaks for people that have, I don't want to say lost or or been disappointed because they had believed for an outcome and didn't see it, and then they'll walk away from their faith. In fact, I talked this week to somebody, had breakfast this week with somebody who told me about someone that was challenging the idea of God putting sickness and suffering on him because they believe it's wrong for God, if God, for God not to heal somebody, if you will, or an outcome to come different, and someone to believe that they didn't have enough faith to get healed. Can I tell you, I have no idea why the outcome becomes the outcome. But my faith will not be held hostage to an outcome because faith is not based on an outcome. Faith is based on outlook. It's not based on outcome. It's based on outlook. And can I tell you, I know my God heals. I may be sick right now. Seriously, pastor, you're teaching on faith and you're... I've been on antibiotics. Tonight, I've been believing for my healing for three weeks. I've been on any kind of antibiotic you can, over the counter. I mean, I've been loopy. I'm popping so many pills and stuff like that. And I, come on, God. But you know what? My outcome is there's healing in my God. My outlook is there's healing in my God. And I don't know why. I prayed for people that have gotten well. I prayed for people that have died. I prayed for people and I prayed for myself and believed for myself and gotten healed. I believe for myself and gotten sick. I don't know. But if my faith is held hostage by my outcome, I'll never operate in it eventually. But my outlook is God heals no matter how I feel, no matter what I see. My wife, uh, we've been gone for a few weeks and my wife uh, went online and uh, ordered some groceries because we just nothing in the house. And so, <coughs> excuse me, as I said, I've been, I'm at home not feeling well. And so what makes me feel well is food. <laughs> and so... I was home and she ordered some groceries. She says, you're, I'm busy at the office. You're going to have to go pick them up. And I said, okay, no problem. So I get in the car and I drive over there and get the groceries and we order them online. And so you just let them know that you're there and they come out and, you know, load the car and then you go home. And, and I get home and pull up in the garage and I pop the hatch or whatever it is. And I stand there and I'm looking at a back full of groceries because we've been gone for a while. And I'm a man. And so every man knows what I'm going to say right here. I look at that grocery thing and I say, how can I get them all in one load? <laughs> come on, man. How can I get them all in one load? So I'm standing there for a minute assessing the situation and I'm like, okay, we're just, we're gonna go for it. One load. I open up the door because I can't open it with a hand load of stuff, right? So I open up the door already. I clear the path, remove all the obstacles. Nothing worse than when you're struggling and get something's in your way. And so I start loading bags. I'm putting them everywhere. I'm putting around my neck. I'm looping around there. I'm like, I'm all up my arms. My hands and fingers are turning purple because those plastic bags are cutting right through it, right? Cutting the circulation off of everything. I get another bag and all of a sudden I get a bag and think I'm getting close. I can get all these couple more bags. I pull another bag away and there's a case of water. And I'm like, seriously, there's no way. I can get this in one trip. And so I put some bags back down. So I can have feeling again in my fingers. And so and I, I take some bags in and I just figured out, it's like, you know, it's okay if it takes more than one trip because I just need an empty car. Why is it that our faith is like that? Why is it that we think we have to get it all at one time? Why is it our faith? And I didn't get it all at one time. I still had a case of water and a bag of dog food in there. And I had to make, was it a failure for me? And my outlook was for an empty car. So what, I had to go back again, get another load, go back again, get another load, go back. Because my outlook is what's important, not my outcome. It wasn't a failure because I couldn't get it all at one time. Faith is not based on an out, outcome. Faith is an outlook. We leave the outcome up to God. But my outlook is 
I believe that God is a healer, God is a deliverer, God is a restorer. That will be my outlook. And so I'll say this this morning, faith isn't based on an outcome, faith is an outlook. And so all of us have outcomes that are still uncertain. I do. So why are we still coming to church? Why are we still praising God with uncertain outcomes in our lives? Why are we still raising our hands? Why are we still shouting? Why are we still amening? Why are we still clapping? Why are we still giving in the offering? Wait a minute, and you must be people whose faith is not based on its outcome, but it's an outlook who God is still God no matter what the outcome is. You must, you must be people who prayed for healing before and stayed sick, but your outlook is God still heals. You must be people who have prayed for your marriage to turn around and it hasn't yet, but your outlook is God is a restorer. You must be people whose faith say, my children will return to God, they haven't yet, but your outlook is God will bring them back to the house of their father. You must have a faith that is working even when your body isn't. You must have a faith that is working even when your situation isn't. A faith that's working even when you don't know what's next. A faith not based on outcome but outlook. A faith that won't give up. A faith that won't quit. A faith that presses on. My faith is not based on outcome. My faith is an outlook. My faith is not a hostage to an outcome. My faith enables me to see an opportunity when others see obstacle. My faith enables me to see potential when others see problem. My faith enables me to see possibility when others see pain. My faith enables me to praise him no matter what the outcome, because my outlook is he's more than enough. My outlook is he's the way maker. My outlook is he's the miracle worker. Every day of my life, all day, anywhere, everywhere, anytime, all the time, Jesus gives the man a command. When I close with this one, he tells him to do something Faith has an objective. Just lost my train of thought. Faith has no occasion. Faith is not an outcome. Let me give this last one. You see what I'm doing with the O's there? Just a pastor thing. Faith has an order. Faith has an order. We need to know that. Because look what Jesus says here in Mark 3, 3. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Another translation says, step out. First thing Jesus asked the guy to do is to stand up or step out. This is amazing to me because he had, he had to be willing to stand up in front of the people. And the people were there to be critical. The people were there to be judgmental. He had to stand up in front of the judgmental people. He had to step out in front of people that didn't want him to be healed or didn't care if he was healed. He had to be willing to stand up in front of people who didn't get it. Do you have enough faith to take a stand? Do you have enough faith to not be ashamed to stand with God every day? Do you have the faith to stand up for what you believe every day? He stood up and Jesus looked around. Look what it says in verse five. It says this in verse five. He looked around at them. Jesus did in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, after he stood up and stepped out, he said, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Two conditions in the synagogue, shriveled hand, shriveled hearts. Which one's worse? The symptom was a shriveled hand, which was a reflection of a shriveled system. And Jesus came to confront them both. He tells the man, stand up, step out, stretch out your hand, stretch out your, stretch out. See what we're doing? We want to show people our good hand. 
He had to stretch out his shriveled hand. He had to expose his dysfunction. He had to expose his issue. But see, understand this, the man, and, I, and, and let's put it in modern day terms and give me a little liberty on this one. Maybe the man today could walk around the shriveled hand like this and you would never know he had a shriveled hand. How's it going? Doing good. Good to see you, brother. Love you. All right, man. How you doing? See, because there's some issues and some dysfunction you and I can hide. Now, if he was crippled, everybody would know it because it would carry him into the place. If he was blind, everyone would know because he wouldn't be able to see his way. They'd have to lead him. But he was able to hide his dysfunction. How many of us come in here hiding our dysfunction? When Jesus says, step out, step up, stretch forth. But what we want to happen is we want restoration before responding. But faith has an order. Faith says stand up for God for what you believe and then stretch forth, respond first, and then restoration comes. You got to trust him. Quit hiding your dysfunction. Quit hiding. See, here's the thing that some people have these things happening and operating in, in their life. And the thing is some dysfunctions are easy to hide and no one may ever know. No one knows about your anger. No one may ever know about your addiction. No one may ever know about your diagnosis. No one may ever know about your broken heart. No one may ever know about your loveless marriage. No one may ever know about your broken finances. But Jesus says, stretch that out. Jesus says, I want want that stretched out. I want to heal that hand. He took a step in front of the people. He stretched forth his shriveled hand. See, you you won't be restored first. It's not how it works. Not how faith, not, that's not the order of faith. It's you respond first. And then the restoration comes. It's only when you respond. When the man stretched his hand, it got stronger as he stretched. It's only when you stretch out. It's only when you respond. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.